This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Did I look eager this morning? <laughs> Better be early than late, eh? Great to see you this morning. If I haven't seen you since Christmas, where have you been? Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> Great to see you this morning. Bless you. We kicked off last week a series called Equip, and we're spending a few weeks in the book of Ephesians, a letter that Paul wrote to uh, some Christians kind of like us, a bit like us, 2,000 years ago. And uh, in that book, there's a lot of stuff that can, can help us, and we want to talk about being equipped for what God calls us to do. If someone asks you to do a task, it would be reasonable to expect you were, you were equipped to do that task. So, for example, if you were, I talked about climbing last, last week and how people can, silly people can try and climb high mountains without the proper equipment. If you were to send somebody to, to war, um, you would expect them to be equipped. Whatever you find to do, if you're doing a job at work, you would expect the equipment to do the job. And so, some of that equipping is what we can learn. It's skills that we can learn. It's not just about things that we physically hold in our hands, but it's what we can learn. So, that's kind of what we want to talk about for the next uh, few weeks, and we'll see how that goes. And we will be equipped. So, I, I threw out three words, equip, empower, and encounter. So, I like the idea that we can be equipped to be empowered to do something, but also conscious that we need an encounter with God. So we need to meet God, to meet with God. And as I've been praying this week, I, I've been again conscious that some people would say, well, I've never really had that kind of moment when I've really felt I've connected. God's really, I've had that encounter. Well, we're not emphasizing experience over knowledge. It's not an either or, it's, it's an and. And so, as we get greater in knowledge of God, I believe we can uh, put ourselves in position to have more encounters with God. So, you just think, well, that's never happened to me, and other people seem to have loads of things that, it's like incredible things that happen to them, it doesn't happen to me. Well, I, if that's you, you who I've been praying for this week, that you would have an encounter. Not that you'd be like somebody else, or you'd have a second-hand experience, but that you would have your own encounter with God your own experience with God. And we'll look at that over the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll just kind of put it out there. But this is a new year. It's a new decade. The last 20s were called the Roaring 20s, a, a time of change and excitement. And I like that idea, right? These 20s, this is a time of change and excitement. I'm up for that. So we're not sort of kind of stumbling into a new year or stumbling, kind of hanging on. I've just about made it into a new year. I think I can hang on with Jesus to the end of the year. No, we're going to, have, we're going to do more than that. We're believing for great impact. We're believing for great transformation. We're believing for more lives to be touched by the power of God as we are equipped to make a difference amongst each other. And then beyond that, as there's an overflow of what God does here to us in this community, the overflow touches and blesses people who would not even dream of being seen here or come here. 
So that's what we're kind of talking about. And to be equipped, to be equipped, to be empowered, and to encounter God in all of that. So if you want to be equipped, you come to the right place. If you want to be empowered, you've come to the right place. If you want to have an encounter, I believe you will have an encounter. And it's, it's not obviously restricted to these four walls. You can have encounters with God all the time. Sometimes we make things, we over-spiritualize some things when we should understand that all of our lives are opportunities to encounter God, to, to, to be equipped to, to make a difference wherever we are, not just on a, a Sunday a Sunday morning. And I, I, I made a statement which I have been thinking a lot about, and I'm going to say it again because I want it kind of to kind of resonate, and this has kind of been in front of my mind every day this week and, and, and in every kind of interaction. And I asked the question, would knowing me make someone more likely to become a Christian or less likely? And you may have heard that before. You know, this might be the first time you've heard it. But I want us to kind of grasp that and think about that because actually, do I look like a Christian when I'm here? What does a Christian look like? A Christian looks like any, anybody. The person you see in the mirror, if you've been transformed by the power of God, that's what a Christian looks like. And then in our character and our behavior, we begin to be, look, to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian, that's what it means. Follower of Jesus, someone who is becoming Christ-like. So, but not just here, all the time. When somebody sees me, speaks to me, interacts with me, it might be a postman, it could be a, somebody in a, a petrol station, it could be anything, right? But is there something in, about me and you that would make them, that would dis, discourage them from checking out Christianity or encourage them to do that. And I don't mean about, I don't mean about sort of always, every person you see, you've got to, you know, Bible bash them or give them a leaflet or a, I've got a few books for you. I think that'll be helpful. Doesn't tend to work, right? But relationship, building connections with people does make a difference. So, uh, yeah. And the, the scripture that I mentioned in Ephesians 4, verse 12, and we'll read a few verses in the, out of the book of Ephesians, but one, one particular verse, verse 12, which we'll keep coming back to over the next few weeks, to equip His people, that's us, for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ is the church, not just this church, the church around the globe is to be built up. So we have... God is intentional that He's given gifts to His body so that His body, the church, Christ is the head of the body, and we are the body of Christ. The Bible says that the church is to be built up. Now, that would suggest that we could be better than we are right now. Jesus is perfect in every way. We're not. And so, if you think the church, this church that you're part of is not perfect, well spotted. That's the point, right? Because we are imperfect people who God's working on. And so we have responsibility to each other under God to use the gifts that we've been given to build up the body. And uh, we'll come back to that, that. So the idea, the big idea, so if someone says, what's the big idea? Well, the big idea today is that we understand collective responsibility to build up the body. 
not just one person's job or responsibility. It's our responsibility. We can all play a part. And actually, God equips us, expecting us to use what He's given to us to build up the body. So, it's trying to not think too much about individualism, because church is not that at all. It's about a gathering. It's about collective. It's about a family. It's not about one person. It's trying to think about that in a way that we think, well, it's not just what I can receive from church or being part of the community. It's also about what I can contribute. So, as I try to build others up, I will myself be built up. That, that works. You know, you know, if you live a small, as a friend of mine once said, you know, a man wrapped up up in himself makes a small parcel. And it's absolutely true. But if we are bigger than that, and we allow room for other people to be in our lives, in our circle, then we can help and help build up. So, that's the big idea. And of course, all of this, as it says at the end of the Scripture we're going to read in a moment, all of this must be done in love. That's always the rider. Above all else, the Bible says, it's all about love. It's all about reaching out in love. It's all about touching people with love. It's all about helping people with love. And last week, we talked about unity and maturity. We talked about the fact that we have unity, and we have to work to maintain that. We don't work to get it. it we have it already because we have Jesus in common. And also, we talked about maturity. And maturity is growing to become more like Jesus. And we understand, and, and that is a process so, I was talking to my uh, grandson, who's three, about the fact that later in this year, he's going to school. So, he understands it's in the distance. Now, he, he doesn't have a full concept of time, and everything that happened before today is yesterday. It wasn't last week. It was just yesterday. But he's got some understanding that, and he said, when I'm four, I'll go to school. Now, he understands Simple, I know, but this will, I believe this, this helped me and can help you. He understands that he's not going to school while he's three. There has to be a process which gets him to four, his, his birthday, and, and beyond that, and that he'll be bigger. So, he's going to school, but he'll be four and he'll be bigger. So, it's a process, right? It's a development. So, maturity isn't just like that. It's a process. Now, that's difficult in the world that we live in. The 21st century, want it, I want it all, I want it now. And uh, now is okay, but yesterday would have been better. But the truth is, we all know if we're growing, if we're learning a skill, if we're being equipped, if we're being empowered, if we're going on to maturity, to grow more like Jesus, it's a process. Now, that's also helpful. In Life Group, we're talking this week about, you know, what have we learned in the last decade? And someone said, well, I wasn't even a Christian at the beginning of the last decade. How good is that? Another said, well, actually, we, we came to the conclusion that we learned that God is faithful. And no matter what we went through, even though we wouldn't have chosen some of the experiences that we've been in the last 10 years or the last 12 months, even though we wouldn't have chosen them, we know we can say with absolute certainty that God is faithful through that. So that's what we learned. And that's what we learned, experience uh, uh, um, experience teaches us what we've learned from the Word of God. So, it's knowledge and experience together. So, anyway, uh, you, unity and maturity and strength. From maturity comes strength. Maturity is not just about age. It's about growing more like Jesus, and we need to do things deliberately 
to do that. So I want to uh, now read you from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read a, a few verses. We're going to start at verse 7. It will be on the screen as it is right here. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and this next couple of verses are a little bit confusing, but I'll give you a quick uh, explanation. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What, is, what does ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the universe. Now, we'll pick it back up in a moment in verse 11. The people listening to this would have the knowledge that, he was, that uh, Paul was quoting Psalm 96, but he also he was alluding to what Moses did. And Moses went up the temple, he, uh, up the mountain, excuse me. He went up the mountain, got the law of God, and came down back down with the law of God. He's alluding to the fact that Jesus descended from heaven, and, and he, he won a, a phenomenal victory. It looked like a defeat. He won a phenomenal victory. And then he went back to heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit who gave gifts. He gave gifts to his church. So that's what he's talking about, ascending and descending. There's, a, of course, more to it, but that'll do me for now. And verse 11 says, So Christ himself, he ascended, he descended, he ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I like the sound of that. Then we will no longer, this is a result of this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching or every big new idea and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul is using the physical body for us to get an understanding about what's going on here. If a body is working correctly, every part is, is working. You know, you can't uh, operate without, it's either all or nothing, isn't it, with your body. Obviously, obviously, if people are sick in some way, then they might need some intervention to help them continue to live. But basically, it's, we cannot be separate bits of our body. We need it all to be working together. And that's a thought for us to help us to understand why each of us as an integral and essential part of the body. Say, so, well, I'm, not, I'm never on stage, and you know, nobody particularly knows my name, but you are an essential member of this body. And God and, and this gathering, this, this church, but also the wider church across the world, of course, we are an essential part of that. And God had a plan when he brought you to faith and placed you in this community. God's idea was that you could make a contribution to help this body grow. God's idea was that you're not a spare part 
but you're an integral part. That you are not kind of, well, if, if all else fails, they'll do. No, God placed you for a particular reason. So I want you to receive that this morning and understand that when this is, talk, this is talking about us all being essential and all being vital. And I just also struck me as I was, I was thinking and praying about this, about it talks about Jesus ascending. And, and of course, as we heard already from, from, from the, at the cross, he, rose, he achieved an incredible victory, which looked like a terrible defeat. He turned it around and won a victory. And, and sometimes when it comes to victory, we think of some, something in the future. But let me introduce you to victorious living. Because it's not just about some future thing that we will achieve one day somewhere in a mega distant future. It's now. We can have victory. The fact that you came through the last decade, the last year trusting Jesus, that's called a victory through what God has done for you. And you can achieve victories. You know, we've celebrated uh, um, in 2018, 100 years, or was it last year? Whenever it was, 100 years since the end of the war, First World War. And, 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 uh, but there was, and then in the Second World War was something called VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. That wasn't a total victory of everything, but it was in Europe. But there was more mopping up to be done. So I'm not waiting for the mopping up to be all finished and I'm perfect because that t that, at that time, I'll be getting the keys to my mansion. In the meantime, I am not perfect and neither are you. Sorry to break it to you. And if, you, if you're deluded, may God bless and help you because we're not. So that's a process. It's a process. So victory. So we're talking about equip, empower, and encounter. To, and verse 7 says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In other words, Jesus Christ decided to give you the gifts that you have. You didn't get to choose. You didn't get to earn. You didn't get to be good enough. He gave them to you anyway. And so all that we are then responsible for, of course, is not for the gifts we don't have, but to be responsible to use the gifts that we do have. And just spend a moment on, uh, and this is not my emphasis is, but just spend a moment on the specific gifts he talks about there. Um, he talks about in verse 11, when he talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he talks about those gifts, leadership in the church. Not got time to unpack all of those and what all that means. But God has deposited those with us to equip us. And when it talks, the word that it uses for equip here and in other parts of the New Testament, it's, me, it's, it, it's like a word that means to use to kind of fix something. It, it's kind of it's to fix something that's broken or to supply something that is lacking. So God has put the, the, what we call the five-fold ministry gifts Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those fivefold ministry gifts, Ephesians 4.11, he has placed them to fix and to correct and to bring maturity and to supply what has, is, is lacking. 
So my job and the, the job of the other ministry gifts, the leadership in the church, and, and, and this is not confined to just a few people because many of you are gifted in loads of ways, which is my main point. My job is to equip and to ensure that we are being equipped to be empowered to do what God's called us to do. So from that, t- taking that, but we have to come back to the fact that we all have responsibility Uh, another translation puts verse 7 like this. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, I I love the concept of generosity. I love the idea of grace and generosity being absolutely inseparable partners. Because when we are generous, there's something about a graciousness in that. Because generosity is not about repaying back something you owe to somebody. You know, you, you, if you borrow, borrow a tenner, don't ask, from me this morning, and uh, you gave me back, you gave me back, that would be, na- be nice to get it back, but that's not being generous. That's just repaying what you owe. And, but if you gave someone, get me out of the picture right now, you give someone else just, a ran- just something, you didn't expect it, a, a random act of kindness, that's generosity over and above what can be expected. So grace and generosity, that's what it is. And if we think about the grace of God to us, where we have received forgiveness that we didn't deserve and could never earn, that's grace. But grace does not stop at salvation. It continues because God is gracious to us all the time because we still mess up and we still make mistakes and, and still say things we, why did I say that? We still do stuff like that, just like that, that even yes, even me. Yesterday I said something to Tracy, I thought, why did I say that? Had to apologize. It wasn't, wasn't such a big deal. Don't start, you know, fasting and praying for our marriage. We're doing great. But by all means, do pray for us. That's great. But why did I say that? I can't take it back, but I can apologize. So, you, need, you know, we deal with it straight, straight away. So, grace and generosity, we get what we don't deserve but we receive that. So, God expects us, the grace, the gifts that we have is God's graciousness. That's it. It's not about uh, a pecking order. It's not about somebody being better than somebody else. It's definitely none of those things. It's just about grace. So, when I am interacting and operating with people, grace and love is, is it. There's no other way to deal with people. It's got to always be grace and love. It's not about, well, I'm in the right and they're in the wrong. That's got nothing to do with anything. It's, we've still got to be gracious. We've still got to be full of grace and full of love. So each one of us, not just a few, every Christian. And this matters that we catch it so we see that we are an integral part. We're vital. But it also matters that we understand also that we obviously have a responsibility. Because what God has given to us, we have a responsibility to, to use. Well, I would, but no one recognizes my gift still got nothing to do with anything, that. I love it when people come part of Life Church and say, uh, what needs doing? How can we help? We're better than, well, well, Pastor, I've got this gift. Do I even bother? Because it's a gift. The gift, a gift makes a way for the person who's carrying the gift if we operate in grace and in love, and I've opened a bigger subject, but hey, there you go. So the whole body grows and builds itself up in it, as each part does its work. Every Christian is gifted, but it's all about generosity and grace, and it's about love. 
But and every Christian has a responsibility to use that gift, to use that grace, because every Christian has a responsibility to be a bodybuilder. You too could have a body like mine if you're not careful. Every Christian has a responsibility to be a bodybuilder. No, I would go to the gym. Go to the gym, they're like a challenge. No, you think I would never go to the gym. But no, every Christian has a responsibility to be a bodybuilder. Not that kind of bodybuilder, but building up this body. So it isn't someone else's responsibility. It isn't I've not had opportunity. No, you can get alongside somebody. You can encourage somebody. You can be gracious to somebody. You can bless somebody. You can be generous to somebody. You can be long-suffering with somebody. You can champion somebody. You can pray for somebody. You can go out of your way to help somebody. You can be the uh, listening ear when no one else is interested for somebody. You can, I can, we can build up the body because every Christian is responsible to be a body builder. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, check this out, and builds itself up builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Christ has gifted us, His church, with gifts so we can build Himself up, build ourselves up. We're not just waiting for it all to drop from heaven at the moment we need it. We understand we have a responsibility to use our giftedness to build each other up. It's a responsibility. It's a corporate responsibility. It's a collective responsibility. It's not about individualism. It's seeing a bigger picture where the whole body, not just one individual, is built up. Every Christian has a responsibility to be a body builder. I have no shares in the gym. I'm not trying to advocate anything other than an example. So this is how Jesus, the all-supplying, supernatural church, ahead of the church, gets His church built up. He gives gifts to individuals and expects them to use them to build up this church. We pray, God, will you do this? God, will you do that? And and He does, and He will, and we trust Him. But also, we don't forget that we have a responsibility to be part of that. All Christians are gifted. We need each other to be built up. We need leaders to help us to supply what we're lacking and to fix what is broken sometimes, to help us fix what is broken by the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need all of that. But not only does you, do we need the church, the church, this gathering, needs us because we're, none of us are uh, superfluous. So every Christian is a, is a uh, bodybuilder, and every Christian ministers grace to the body. Grace. And I've said a bit about this already, but how could we have an argument or fallout when this is how we're supposed to go? It's grace. We're ministering grace. Grace, grace, grace. That doesn't mean that people, we can all do what, what we want and we should never be corrected. That's not what this means. But it does mean all the time we deal with each other the way we would like to be dealt with. In fact, we follow the example of Jesus who operates in grace with us all the time, doesn't run out of uh, patience with us. Grace, grace, grace. Each one of us has grace that has been apportioned 
to us. Romans 12 verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So, I'll, again, that emphasizes the, the fact that we have different gifts. We don't get to choose the gifts. We don't get to think, my gift is, not, is worthless. I wish I had that gift. I don't have that gift, so I'm going to use what I've got. And each one of us has been given that gift. It's all down to God's grace. So why does God give gifts to his body? Fivefold ministry gifts, gifts to every Christian carries something of the likeness of Christ, something of a gift that God gives us. Well, it's to build up the whole body, not just the individuals. It's to build unity of faith and knowledge in the body. It's until, until we reach unity in the first verse 13. And we keep on building. It's a process. Number three, we build the body into Christ-like maturity. How important is that? What that means is that the church begins to reflect something of the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. We begin to look like Jesus. That's what Christ-like maturity is. That's what it, it means. The aim of ministry is not just the individuals, but the body will be will attain uh, maturity not Jesus is perfect he's fully mature and complete we're not so it's a process we keep on building to Christ like maturity and so that the body number four the body will, will we will build strength and stability into the body now why is that important well it, the answer is in the, the answer is in the scripture that we read in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That's why we need to be built up. That's why we need to be Christ-like. That's why we need to be mature so that we have a knowledge and a strength in, inherent in us as a body so when some new uh, exciting thing happens, we don't just jump here and jump there. We don't just change, uh, uh, jettison what we've believed for years and start believing something different. No, because we've got stability because we have learned and grown in maturity. And together, we can have be responsible for that, that we guard that. The aim of ministry, we're all called to be bodybuilders. Every Christian is called to be a minister, to use the gifts that we've been given to do. And sometimes I might think, well, ministry, what does that mean? It sounds a bit like either a bit grandiose or it sounds a bit like, well, that's not really for me. I love this quote from the author, uh, Bob Goff, and he says this, we don't need to call everything we do ministry, just call it Tuesday. And the thought behind that is, I've not got to say, oh, I've put me Sunday clothes on, not that we necessarily have any of them. I've got to come into this ministry mode. Now I'm going to minister. No, it's 24-7. It's opportunities to minister grace and love and generosity and blessing to people all the time. And we're not, we're not going to spiritualize it. We're just going to call it Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. We don't need to call everything we do ministry. So release yourself from that and just think, I'm using the gifts. That's what it, that's what it is. You want to call it a ministry, fine, but don't try and get too clever about it. It might just be Tuesday, and that's what you're called to do 
at that moment to love people, to care about people, to minister life and help and blessing. So to be equipped, we are equipped by the gifts that God has placed in this church. Yes, leadership, but definitely also all of us. We're all the body of Christ. We're all gifted to build each other up. I encourage you to have a, a bigger picture, not just about me and mine and a few of my friends and as long as they're okay, we'll be fine. And as long as my experiences, no, take responsibility for the body, for the whole of the body. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.